You know, I've talked about this in the past, how I feel like the media's unhinged and unchecked fake news narratives about Trump has been driving Democrats completely insane. It's getting harder to to understand what's happening now that they're actually going after Bernie Sanders with the exact same smears they use against Tulsi Gabbard and Donald Trump. Suffice it to say, the establishment Democrats have been in a civil war with the far left Democrats for quite some time, and now the gloves are coming off. But I have to, I kind of feel like it's the stupidest smear I've ever seen. Right now, we have a collection of never Trumpers and Democratic establishment types parroting this absurd story that Bernie Sanders is being propped up by Russia literally a day after they claimed Trump is once again being propped up by Russia, and they must think we are complete morons. I want to draw the distinction between what I mean by Democrats and the people who are being driven. And I want to clarify what I mean by Democrats being driven insane. Bernie Sanders supporters are finally starting to wake up to the complete and sheer absurdity. But I have to say this, guys, I'm going to show you an example of, listen, Bernie Sanders being smeared as a Russian asset. For some reason, now the Bernie Sanders supporters are saying, oh, wow, this is such absurd fake news. I can't believe they're pushing this narrative. And then literally on the same on the same Reddit page, they have the same story about Trump from the other day where they're like, aha, this proves it. Trump's a Russian asset. Wake up. The Democratic establishment, the media cronies are lying. Look at this psychotic news. MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell, Trump is a Russian operative as evidenced by Grenell appointment. These people are insane. We went through years of Trump, Russia. It was fake news. And now they're saying the same thing about Bernie Sanders. And I get it. The Sanders supporters can clearly see through the absurd lies about Bernie. But for some reason, can't see that the exact same lie against Trump is a lie. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. But Trump supporters have been pointing out that the Democratic establishment has been smearing and coming after Bernie Sanders. And I've pointed out they've been going after the progressive left as well. Cenk Uger, for instance, running for Congress. He's the guy from the Young Turks. The media lied about him. I called that out. I call out the lies about Bernie. I call, call the lies about Trump. Why is it that on the left, they, they can't see through this? Look, the, the, the crony never Trumper establishment elites, whoever these weirdos are, are frolicking around screeching that Tulsi, Bernie and Trump all work for Russia. It's psychotic. So why can't the Bernie Sanders people finally just come out and say, you know what? Trump was right about this and call out the media establishment along with Trump. Bernie Sanders, what does he do? He goes up at his rail and he says the Democratic establishment and the Republican establishment. It's like, okay, hold on, right? I kind of get it, dude. But you know that a lot of the elite Republicans were forced out by Trump's insurgency campaign. This is the question being asked. Is Bernie Sanders the next McGovern which would give Trump a sweeping victory? Or is he the next Donald Trump, the insurgent populist to overthrow the Democratic establishment elite like Trump did to the Republican elites who then fell in line behind him? For some reason, Bernie Sanders will not call out the cronies like Biden. He apologizes to him and then turns on and points the finger at his own supporters and Donald Trump when they correctly point out the DNC and the establishment types are rigging the game. Take a look at this. Lawrence O'Donnell literally saying Trump is a Russian operative. My mind is blown. I'm so tired, you guys. You have no idea. I mean, maybe you do because a lot of you think you realize I work like a maniac. But I, 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 I sat here. This is one of the latest videos I've ever recorded sitting here saying like, I will. I do not 
want to play this Russia game again. It was Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Tulsi, Russia, Trump, Russia, Bernie, Russia. And here I am having to show you once again, abs- just, just how insane these people are. I implore the people who are Bernie Sanders supporters, who are progressives, wake up. Why can't the Bernie people, the Tulsi people, and the Trump people all just come together and agree that the media establishment is not our friend? They hate every single one of us, and they are lying. Stop defending the media smears against Trump. You don't have to like the guy, but stop doing it, please. I'm going to read this story because this is some of the most psychotic, unhinged things. I, I, I can't believe what I'm about to read. Before we get started, Head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work because I'm a glutton for punishment and I like reading this insane Russia smear stuff. I'm asking, I'm once again asking for your financial support. But of course, the best thing you can do is just share this video, maybe crack some echo chambers open. Bernie and Trump are both populists. They don't agree on a lot of issues. They really are at odds. Seriously, Trump supporters calling out Bernie as a a commie and Bernie supporters calling Trump a fascist and all that stuff. It's like, I get it, man. But y'all can fight after whatever this is, is gone. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, there are a lot of people who watch this channel who haven't subscribed. So I will ask you, if you do like this content, want to see more, hit the subscribe button down below. Click that notification bell so YouTube will finally let you know that my videos are available. And now I'm going to bring you down the rabbit hole of what should be considered fringe, unhinged, conspiracy theory trash. You want to ban Alex Jones? Fine. But you got to ban this along with it. I think neither should be banned, to be honest. But MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, Lawrence O'Donnell, this is a a plague on the minds of the American people. Check this out. Washington Examiner. Lawrence O'Donnell literally said Trump is a Russian operative. He's like stone faced saying it. Reacting to reports that the House Intelligence Committee was told last week by US intelligence officials that Russia is attempting to interfere in the 2020 election to get Trump reelected. O'Donnell also noted the timing as Trump appointed Richard Grenell, the U.S. ambassador to Germany and a close ally, to be acting director of national intelligence on Wednesday. (laughs) Here we go. Quote, the president is a Russian operative. That sounds like the description of a bad Hollywood screenplay, but it is real. And it is Vladimir Putin's greatest achievement. Decades after America's victory in the Cold War and the collapse of the Soviet Union, the president of the United States is now helping the president of Russia help the president of the United States to get reelected so that the president of Russia will have four more years of the president of the United States who he wants in the Oval Office. What does that even mean? You crazy, crazy people. My heart is broken when I see the Bernie Sanders people refusing to call out the smears against Trump. Now, now I'll be fair. Okay, I'm not trying to drag every single one of you uh, who supports Bernie because I I realize there are a lot of good, uh, honest, you know, higher profile personalities and and regular voters who absolutely call this out and roll their eyes. Notably, people like uh, Kyle Kalinske, Glenn Greenwald, Aaron Mattei, Crystal Ball. You guys rock. So uh, forgive me if I'm a a bit harsh on on all of you because they do exist and, and prominently too. So that's fair. What I typically mean to say when I say Democrat is, is these establishment crony types, typically not the progressives or the far left, because I recognize they're different. And it's really hard to figure out what's going on the Democratic side, because, you know, Ocasio-Cortez is a Democrat now. Bernie Sanders is running in the Democratic primary. So I'll, I, I do my best to, clear, to clear, uh, clear these things up. I have tremendous respect for many of the, the you know, personalities uh, on the left who support Bernie Sanders, they're populists, and have no problem calling out these fringe insane conspiracy theories. So I, 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 I 
ask your forgiveness if I've been a little harsh. I think that's fair. When Donald Trump was accused just the other day, like we have this story from the New York Times just from the other day, once again saying that in 2020 he's being propped up by Russia, I, I, I can't believe we're here again. Welcome to whatever this crony establishment is. This is, this is what we get, I guess. Yeah, we're here. When the story first came out, they claimed that Trump was upset because this information would be weaponized by Democrats. Of course, 24 hours later, Jake Tapper, CNN, and other reports come out saying, actually, it was mischaracterized. They weren't propping up Trump, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we get it. This has been exactly what's been going on for the past several years. Bombshell report, 24 hours to let it stew and travel around and, and poison the minds of the MSNBC viewer. And then the next day, a, a correction. There was another really important story you, you may have heard me talk about in the past couple of days with Julian Assange, WikiLeaks. They claimed that three years ago, Donald Trump sent a congressman to Assange asking for a cover up of the Russia hack and the WikiLeaks, you know, DNC emails in exchange for a pardon. And then a day later, oops, it was fake news. The reality was Rohrbacher, the ex-congressman, basically said to Assange, you are claiming Russia wasn't involved. I want proof of that claim. And if you give it to me, I'll go talk to Trump. Maybe you'll get a pardon. Very, very different stories, right? New York Times runs this story. Trump dismisses warning of Russia 2020 meddling as a democratic hoax. The president described the intelligence finding that Russia was meddling in the 2020 election delivered last week to House lawmakers as a partisan misinformation campaign. I'm going to have to agree with him because they're going after Bernie as well. Interestingly, Bernie was asked about this latest report. Check this out. Bernie Sanders briefed by U.S. officials that Russia is trying to help his presidential campaign. They say from the Washington Post, U.S. officials told Bernie, Bernie Sanders that Russia is attempting to help his presidential campaign as part of an effort to interfere with the Democratic contest, according to people familiar with the matter. How stupid do they think we are? I just, you know, part of me, I kind of just want to uh, flip on some cartoons and maybe order a pizza and shut all this off and just let them let, just just go for it. You're, you're so insane. Just keep doing your thing. I'm going to stand back. No, but I have to call it out. I understand that mo- like basically everybody watching this, except for the weird couple hundred people who love thumbs downing every single video I make, you understand these are smears, even the Bernie people. Because while I can disagree with Bernie on policy and, and the, the, the woke far left, we obviously have our disagreements. I, we are in complete agreement that the crony establishment is cheating. Michael Bloomberg is cheating. It's disgusting. What little hope I had in the Democratic primary is now just a dried wither husk that is disintegrating in the corner. It's gone. So I get it. They're smearing Bernie Sanders the same as they do Donald Trump. But it's just so obvious. Is it, is it just that the people who are paying attention can see it and the average American can't? I don't know. But, it, but Bernie Sanders responded to this report that Russia was going to be propping, up, propping him up with a very apt response. You, they, they said, why do you think this report is coming out now, Senator Sanders? And he says, a day before the Nevada caucus, you're asking me why it's coming out? The other day I reported on Bloomberg's quiet campaign, I'll, I'll turn down the rhetoric a little bit, to, to win a contested convention. With Bloomberg entering the race and buying his way in, Bernie Sanders is now no longer projected to win the Democratic primary. Listen, you don't have to like the guy to recognize if he is the popular candidate, he has a right to take that nomination. You don't got to like Trump to recognize the economy is doing well. 
I am not here to tell you, you know, why you should like or not like them. I'll disagree. And obviously I have my disagreements with Trump on foreign policy, on his attitude, with Bernie, on his domestic policy. But fair is fair. And the media is full of it. This report apparently is now being weaponized in another way. They're saying that Bernie Sanders knew the whole time and never told anybody because apparently this brief happened a while ago. Let's read more. President Trump and lawmakers on Capitol Hill also have been informed about the Russian assistance to the Vermont senator. Those people said, speaking on the condition of anonymity, to discuss sensitive intelligence. It is not clear what form that Russian assistance has taken. Yet we know from the Mueller report, it was basically nothing. Not a single vote changed. It was a couple stupid profiles, just not real. They go on to say U.S. prosecutors found a Russian effort in 2016 to use social media to boost Sanders' campaign against Hillary Clinton. And there it is. Part of a broader effort to hurt Clinton. So dissension in the American electorate and ultimately help elect Donald Trump. I don't care, frankly, who Putin wants to be president, Sanders said in a statement. My message to Putin is clear. Stay out of American elections. And as president, I will make sure that you do. In 2016, Russia used internet propaganda to sow division in our country. And my understanding is that they are doing it again in 2020. Some of the ugly stuff on the internet attributed to our campaign may well not be coming from real supporters. Well, hey, at least Sanders was smart enough to use this to his advantage to claim his Bernie bros are are, are actually Russians. And while I, I do think it's fair to push back on the Bernie bros smear to a certain extent, because the journalists who are getting angry that people said mean words to them on the internet are, are being silly. When you look at the on the ground stuff from Bernie supporters, eh, you can call them Bernie bros, you can call them whatever, but Bernie, you got some bad eggs, you know, bad apples hanging around in your base. And we saw it from the Veritas videos. You got to call it out. It is what it is. Uh, Donald Trump certainly had his fringe wackos aligning themselves with this campaign all the same. And Trump did call them out. Maybe he did it well enough. We won't argue it, but it should be called out. Bernie did it in 2016. Bernie, do it again. The disclosure of Russian assistance to Sanders follows a briefing to lawmakers last week in which senior intelligence officials said that Russia wants to, wants to see Trump reelected, viewing his administration as more favorable to the Kremlin interests, according to people who were briefed on, on the comments. In that closed meeting for House Intelligence Committee, lawmakers were also told that Sanders had been informed about Russia's interference. The prospect of two rival campaigns, both receiving help from Moscow, appears to reflect what intelligence officials have previously described as Russia's broader interest in sowing division in the United States and uncertainty about the validity of American elections. You know what, man? I I, I really do feel that my brain's going to explode from these next few tweets. Julia Ioff, is that you pronounce her name? Correspondent for GQ GQ magazine, uh, quote tweeting herself. Linking the story from Washington Post saying, also, you know who else is supporting Bernie's candidacy? Donald J. Trump, who is also being supported by the Russians. And then glorious never Trumper Jennifer Rubin, almost like it all fits together. Now, look, I named some prominent populist left wing individuals, Bernie supporters who have my utmost respect. I I really do sincerely mean that. But I got to say it now to you guys. When you look at the comments online, Maybe, maybe it's bad actors, whatever. But a lot of Bernie people are, are it's, it's, listen, I'm going to show you two posts. One claiming Trump is being propped up by the Russians. One showing Bernie is, and you'll see the response from the pro Bernie crowd on Reddit. They're, they're willing to be like, this is fake news. Harumph, I say, how dare they smear Bernie? And the next one's like, Trump is complicit working with Russia. Oh, come on, dude. Haven't you realized it's all lies by now? 
Donald Trump Jr. tweets about this. Trump tweets about this. I don't see why it's so hard. Now, of course, they're trying to argue that Trump is doing this because it basically, you know, if Bernie Sanders does win, then Trump sweeps. I think that's actually a fair argument. But I think it's also the simple solution that why would Donald Trump say they're lying about Bernie? They're lying about him, too. You know, misery loves company, I guess. No, but 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 in all, in all honesty, he, he knows it's BS. And so he's seeing them do it to Bernie and he points it out. Does Trump and the, uh, do, uh, do Trump and Republicans realize they got a better shot to win if it's Bernie? They seem to think so. But I'll tell you what, if you're a Bernie supporter and you really do think that Bernie is the only one who can defeat Trump, then you should absolutely be agreeing with Donald Trump when he claims the DNC is cheating and that's fake news about the Russians. Take all the support you can get. Let Trump and his base help prop you up because they think you're the, you're the straw man to be knocked down. And then you'll come and sweep in November, right? This is all the reason why the populists of the left, the right, the center, whatever, should come together and tell the crony establishment and the media establishment smears to just shut up and go away. Maybe that's what will happen in November. Maybe Bernie will actually win. I think they're going to steal it from him. I'm sorry, man. I don't think I, I, I've actually heard Bernie getting angry recently. And I got to hand him my respect because I've called Bernie spineless. But there's a story where apparently at the debate, he like got in the face of an NBC exec was like yelling at him and like jabbing his finger just close to his face. Hey, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the action, but it certainly shows he's getting angry. Finally, maybe Bernie's tired of being pushed around. And, you know, if he wants to be president, he's going to be strong about it. This guy, John Cooper, I'll just show the one more tweet. You can take my word for it. Democrats are tweeting about this stuff, too. He said, Russia is trying to help Bernie Sanders win the primary, not because they want him to be the next president. It's because Russia wants Trump to get reelected. Sanders would lose in a wipeout, taking the Democratic House majority with him. Trump knows that and Russia knows that. Daniel Baxter for Congress, UTO4, says, show me your evidence. Bernie wins in nearly every head to head matchup by a larger margin than any other candidate. Stop playing right into their agenda. Listen, the Democrats are in civil war. But Daniel, are you, I'm assuming you are a outright Bernie supporter. Looks like it. Progressive. I think so. I'm asking you guys, keep that up. Point out they're lying. You don't got to be friends with Trump. You can call Trump every name in the book. But if the populace can come together to point out it's the crony elites of the ivory tower who are smearing all of you like they did to Tulsi, like they, did, they started with Trump, they go to Tulsi. Now it's, now it's Bernie's turn. Why? Because they're upsetting the established order. The Republican elite couldn't keep Trump out, but they're doing everything in their power to shut down Bernie Sanders. So let me show you this story. This one's a bit fair if you're assuming the Russia smears are true. Russia doesn't want Bernie Sanders. It wants chaos. The point of Kremlin interference has always been to find democracy's loose seams and pull. This, I think, is the fairest interpretation if we're going to believe the intel. They don't want to prop up Trump so he can win. They don't want to prop up Bernie so he can win. They want us all fighting each other. They're, they're sowing chaos and discord. It's the fairest interpretation. Putin is sitting back smoking cigars, laughing at how he has to do very, very little to actually cause all of this chaos. But I bring you now to Reddit. This is a post. Uh, this is the, the subreddit linking to it saying Russia doesn't want Bernie Sanders. It wants chaos the story about Russia going after Bernie. Here's what they say. One comment says, can't wait to see the MAGA crowd suddenly care about Russian interference now that they're helping Bernie. Okay, no, absolutely not. 
Trump warns Democrat voters be careful of Russian interference that could boost crazy Bernie despite dismissing claims of Kremlin meddling as a hoax just one day ago. I'm showing you this on purpose because it kind of backs up what that commenter was saying. In reality, Trump was very obviously joking. He says, be careful of Russia, 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 according to corrupt politician Adam Shifty Schiff. They're pushing for crazy Bernie Sanders to win vote. He's saying it's not real. Trump has always maintained Schiff is uh, Schiff is lying. And he said, Russia, Russia, Russia. He's clearly not actually entertaining that Russia is trying to prop up Bernie Sanders. What's crazy to me is that Trump has defended Bernie against these smears. And so have many Trump supporters, but these people can't see it. And that's where I come to. I know you're not necessarily Democrats in in a certain capacity, but y'all are losing it too. If you can't see what's really going on because the media smears have blinded you. Take a look at this. They say the MAGA base will only care about this when Bernie wins the election and they have a doorway to call foul. No, they won't. I'm willing to bet they won't. I really don't think it'd be the case. Why would Trump use the Russia smear when it's bad for him too anyway? No, he wants to use Bernie to help him call it out to exonerate himself. What's mind blowing to me is beyond these Russia smears is the general smears about Donald Trump and his base, which are just not true. Take a look at this comment. They say this cult of Trump is so simple to dismantle. Look, they got awards too. people buy buy awards on Reddit. Remember that episode of South Park where Japan was trying to conquer America by turning their kids into Manchurian soldiers using Chin Pokemons? The more the parents tried to stop it, the worse they became. They solved it by pretending to join in and the kids saw that it was not cool anymore. Those rallies are whitewashed and exclusive. They are more of a safe space. We all need to just start going to those rallies pretending to like him. Lesbians for Trump, Mexicans for Trump, homosexuals for Trump, Muslims for Trump, Black Panthers for Trump, liberals for Trump, feminists for Trump, and dress the part. That Then it will be over in a month. Mind blown. That's the media propaganda narrative. This person has never seen a Trump rally. Trump loves posting photos of people holding up their shirts saying Latinos for Trump. His support in minority communities is growing. It's not epic. It's not like the best it's ever been, but it's pretty high. Several polls showing that Trump has substantial support, nearly 30% or more in the black community. Uh, Tim Scott saying Trump's support could double or or, or go by 50%, even reaching 15 total, depending on which poll you read. So yeah, you actually have LGBTQ for Trump. You have Latinos for Trump. You have all these things. And these people believe and eat up the fake news. Then you come to this one. Newsweek, Trump is using the power of the presidency to conceal Russia's 2020 scheme to reelect him, says former acting AG. And then they say it's called rigging an election. It's kind of defining trait, yada, yada, yada. Not very effective. We get it. When it comes to Bernie Sanders being smeared in the same way, they say, oh, harumph, I say, oh, it's Trump. It's Trump. He's the bad one. And then when it comes to them smearing Trump, they say, oh, oh, harumph, I say, it's Trump. He's the bad one. I don't get it. Can't you see they're doing the same thing? Are you really trapped in that bubble? Yes. And that's my point. That is the point I am trying to make with this segment. The media smears are effective. People don't understand what Trump's rallies are really like. They don't understand he actually does have fairly decent minority support or marginalized uh, group support, that he's actually been making gains in the suburbs among women, surprisingly, that there are Latinos for Trump, that there is LGBTQ for Trump. They don't know anything about this. It's not just the Russia smears. The media smears have been intense and insane for a long time. I'm surprised now that they're doing similar things to Bernie and even Cenk Uger of the Young Turks. You haven't woken up to the fact 
that the media is lying to all of you. You want to know what motivates me more than anything? Media lies. It's always been a big driving factor for me. And I'll tell you that the sad reality is that the media works hand in hand with the crony Democratic establishment. That is the unfortunate truth. When Lawrence O'Donnell of MSNBC calls Trump a Russian operative, I say, no way. When the New York Times smeared Cenk Uger as a, as, as a bigot, taking his quotes out of context, I said, no way. When they smear Bernie as a Russian asset, I say the same exact thing. It is the media lying and tricking you. Trump is bad in my opinion, but not nearly that bad. He's the president, whatever he won. Calm down. If you don't like him, go vote for Bernie. But if you don't recognize the damage being done by these lunatics in media who are lying on purpose and pushing this insanity against both Trump and Bernie, then your guy isn't going to get the nomination. Trump, for, for however he pulled it off, smashed his way through in the, in, in the Republican Party and he won it. Bernie is having a harder time. They refuse to let go. Take the quotes from Trump. Use the advantage you can get from Trump supporters saying, yep, you're right. Take it. Get your guy the victory. Get him the nomination. Stop sitting there and blaming Trump and calling him a Russian asset and saying he's rigging an election when they're lying the same way about your guy. I'll leave it there, man. We'll see what happens. But I'm just, I can't believe we're doing Russia Gate 3. I, I, seriously, it's part three. Russia Gate with a vengeance. The next segment will be at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash News. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all next time. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Carl Benjamin, a.k.a. Sargon of Akkad. You may also know that he was involved in a lawsuit. Some of you might not know anything about this, but let me let me just say this is one of the most epic examples of how a lot of these far left individuals, these activists are completely immature, really, really naive, ignorant and just all around stupid. So for those that aren't familiar with what's going on, I'll give you some quick context. The story we have from Reclaim the Net. Carl Benjamin sues Akilah Hughes to reclaim legal fees, accusing Hughes of weaponizing copyright law. The suit claims Hughes made an attempt to muzzle an ideological opponent through wrongful use of copyright law. It all goes back to 2016. I believe it was 2016. Akilah Hughes is one of these social justice activist types. She produced a video called something like We Thought She Would Win. It's a long clip from, I think, some kind of like the, the Hillary Clinton watch party or whatever in the election, something like that. Well, Sargon took a couple pieces and he made a video that was essentially, you know, called like the absolute state of SJWs or something like that. It was criticizing Akilah Hughes. She decided to file a copyright suit against him. And some interesting things happen. The first thing I want to say is that I find a lot of these activists are extremely, as I mentioned, ignorant, naive. You look at how they operate in co- on college campuses, and you can see that they have no understanding of how adults work, how the real world works, and they're in for a rude awakening. They are being coddled and propped up with safe spaces, so they think the world is all candy canes and rainbows. They think in college, when someone comes and says a naughty word, they can go retreat to their safe space to hide from those naughty words. In the real world, adults, courts, will not give you these privileges and treat you like a baby. They will, they will toss you out into the wolves in two seconds. So Akilah was openly bragging about how she was trying to shut down Sargon of Akkad. Again, I'm assuming most of you know who Sargon is. If you don't, he's a big YouTuber, got a lot of followers. He's a liberalist, anti-feminist, etc. So he's very critical of the SJWs. She was actively tweeting 
like a moron, I must say, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, you have to be really, really stupid to file a lawsuit and then just keep tweeting about your intentions and your motives. This ultimately resulted in Sargon winning, and now he's going after legal fees. And it looks like, according to another YouTube, uh, Leonard French is a lawyer on YouTube, this left-wing grifter is so, was so bad and so entitled and narcissistic that she might be out 30, 30 grand or maybe even more, maybe 40 grand. Personally, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if they can do punitive damages in this direction or how that might work. But let me just say, this is a story about a social justice warrior. Yes, I will use the pejorative who tried to exploit copyright law. That's exactly what it looks like. That's what they're arguing to punish an ideological opponent, but openly bragged they were doing it to the point where the court just threw it in the trash. And now Sargon, the anti-feminist, might actually get her to pay for all his legal fees. And I got to say, it seems pretty reasonable. Let's read the story. And I, I want to talk, you, the, the, you know, I had some concerns that this story might be too YouTube-centric, too esoteric, but it's a fascinating example of how the modern left is so arrogant they think the world revolves around them. They think they're going to get a free pass. There are rules. There, there, there are reasonable expectations. And courts do not play the games they think that they will play. A judge will look at this, and they don't care if you're a marginalized or oppressed group. They're going to say, here are the words before me. Do they fit the law? Are they reasonable? Akila Hughes was not reasonable. She was openly tweeting, let's bankrupt this a-hole. Let's get him banned from GoFundMe. Let's take away his ability to defend himself. That is not what copyright law is for. And she was trying to take down legitimate criticisms. And she openly said as much. It's mind boggling how arrogant and narcissistic these far leftists are. Reclaim the Net reports. YouTuber Carl Benjamin of the channel Sargon of Akkad is asking to be awarded attorney's fees in a case resulting from a lawsuit brought on by fellow YouTuber Akilah Hughes that he has in the meantime won. Previously, Hughes lost her copyright infringement lawsuit filed in the US against Benjamin, a UK-based creator. The two fall on opposite sides of the liberal versus conservative divide, and the online and legal row between them erupted in the aftermath of the 2016 US presidential election. But after a US judge recently ruled to dismiss Hughes's allegations, Benjamin, uh, Benjamin decided to sue for legal costs, asking to be awarded a total of some $39,000. Well, the end of the, the actual, I have the actual filing because they, they link to it. it the total is uh, 33000 but I think they do ask for an additional 5000 for other related costs. So I don't know if that's the total because at the bottom, it does say 33000 plus uh, 126. So I think they're wrong. I think Oh, no, no. Okay. It might actually be the additional 5,000. We'll see what happens. Reclaim the Net says, in summarizing the case, the filing mentions that Hughes, a Hillary Clinton supporter, is a YouTube celebrity who has been publicly mocked for her political opinions by Benjamin. The way he did this was to use Hughes's own video recording during Clinton's election night party in New York City. Hughes responded by claiming copyright breach, but Benjamin defended himself, citing the fair use protection, an argument the court eventually accepted as valid. I got to stop right there. Here's where it gets crazy. It would seem that there was a preliminary hearing before anything even happened where the judge literally told this, you know, far leftist Akilah Hughes and her and her team, there is no case basically saying this is quintessential fair use. Like, what are we doing? And she still decided to move forward anyway. I got to say, I'm reading Sargon's filing 
requesting legal fees, not only does it seem reasonable, but I'm going to have to agree with Leonard French, who uh, he's, he's a YouTube lawyer. He made a video called Sargon's Epic Attorney Fees Motion. It does absolutely seem epic. Like I'm reading this, this, this Sargon, Sargon's, we'll, we'll go through it. But I got to say, the arguments and the evidence they present, like actual screenshots of Akilah's tweets, it, it's, it looks so good. I'm biased. I'm biased. Totally. But I feel like there needs to be some kind of punishment beyond just legal fees. I mean, this was willful social justice warrior exploitation of the courts, publicly bragging they were doing it to try and cause harm to an ideological opponent who isn't even in America. That to me is, is mind boggling. I don't know if the courts can implement punitive damages or anything in this direction. But man, I got to say, if I was a judge and I saw this, someone bragging they were exploiting my court, well, I'd be furious. But of course, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how that works. They're probably a bit more stoic than that and might just say, no, no, you know, we can't do this. Let's read. They say one detail from the ruling was that the judge found that although Benjamin did not add any of his own commentary to his own video based off of clips that had previously been posted by Hughes, the power of editing sufficed to produce a new expression of an idea. In other words, what is protected under U.S. copyright laws is transformative work. But not only that, in Akilah's initially initial filing, she literally said Sargon's intent was to humiliate or demean. These people think mean words are prohibited. They, she, they, she actually thought, I don't know who her lawyers were, but I'll tell you this, man. Be, be wary of lawyers that ask, look, so many stupid people, they go to a lawyer and they say, I want to file a lawsuit. And the lawyer goes, sure, give me five grand retainer and we'll get started. Because the way they see it is works work. If this person wants to file a lawsuit, you pay me, I'll write the papers. Bad advice. But what do you expect? You think a lawyer is going to go and come to you and say, we will absolutely lose this? No, they're going to be like, hey, if you want to do it, you give us the money and we'll write it up. They actually argued in the initial filing, this is demeaning and humiliating. It's like, who did you hire? Did you hire like social justice lawyers who think hate speech should be illegal and that naughty words are no longer allowed? Like you got to be nuts to literally admit in your filing, this is commentary and criticism on what I'm doing. The literal intent is to criticize me. I want it. I want money for it. That's not what copyright law does. The the, The point of copyright law is to protect your market, your business. So fair use is actually fairly broad. Like I'm fair using Reclaim the Net to comment on their story in, in, a, in a variety of ways. It's, it's, it's absolutely, I, I, I'll put it this way. I can't believe we are entering a future where we have an entire generation of people who think the courts will be based on their fifis, that they can be like, he was mean to me, therefore I deserve copyright infringement money. And the court's going to be like, bye, facts don't care about your feelings. Now, of course, they like to mock, you know, Ben Shapiro's facts don't care about your feelings, but it's not even a conservative point. The courts don't care about your feelings. Was your market infringed upon? No. Were you trying to weaponize copyright law? Seemingly, yes. In which case, Sargon might actually win. They go on to say the crux of Benjamin's argument has been that the lawsuit against him was essentially weaponizing the copyright law in order to win a political argument and exact ideological revenge rather than actually make a valid copyright claim. I'm going to say it for the millionth time. We have a left in, you know, I don't know what happened to the modern left. People like Sargon, he's a classical liberal, people like Dave Rubin, politically homeless people like me, who have always been somewhat on the left, like center leftists, liberals. Now people are leaving the left. I don't know what happened, but 
when people like us started walking away, what was left was this weird shell of, of mindless, arrogant, narcissist, moral authoritarians who are just incredibly dumb. I throw it back. Here's a point I've been making for the past like couple of weeks, right? Like I'm watching this John Stewart Daily Show episode where he's, he's basically praising Project Veritas. No one, none of these people would do this today because John Stewart, he knew what was right. Whether it was a conservative journalist or otherwise, if the story was good, he would talk about it. But when he left, what, what, not just him, but he's an example. What rises from that empty space are arrogant narcissists who all of a sudden have all its attention and don't know how anything works, but are so entitled, they think they can publicly brag and still win a lawsuit. Check out these tweets from Akila. She said, so this carnival barker that I'm suing for copyright infringement just got banned from Patreon, where he was making 10K a month for overt racism and harassment. That's, I'll, I'll give her her opinion. Hey, she's allowed to have one, but that's not true. That's a mischaracterization. Do you think we can get GoFundMe to drop him? In his GoFundMe, he lists that the funds are for a, quote, frivolous lawsuit brought on by Akilah Hughes. Seeing as I'm about to win this case, can I sue to get that money since it would be libel? Asking for let's bankrupt this a-hole. They say one of the tweets the suit suggests shows that Hughes was interested in taking Benjamin down more than she was interested in protecting her copyright. Let me just point out, she doesn't like Sargon. She wants to shut him down because his words were mean to her. So she tried exploiting the courts. Copyright law is to protect your intellectual property. The argument should be, I run a business where I produce content for my audience. And by Sargon taking those bits of content for, for whatever reason, infringed upon my ability to use that content to monetize for my business. That would be the better argument. But that's not the argument she, she, she even made. And regardless, it's still a losing argument. You're allowed, like people take clips from my channel all the time. I don't care. They, they pull them out of context. They lie, they cheat and they steal. And you know what? Free speech comes with pitfalls. I wish they, they didn't do it. Sometimes it is defamation and libel. Typically it's people with dumb opinions. So they, they say the, uh, the filing reads, as part of the same tactics, plaintiff later publicly suggested on Twitter that she had reported defendants hate content to Patreon in an attempt to have Sargon banned. And in keeping with her strategy to repurpose copyright law as viewpoint-based censorship, she reblogged with apparent approval a suggestion to, quote, drown out fascists, not by criticizing their viewpoint, but rather by bringing a speaker to play copyrighted music at their rallies because it will be easy to report their videos and get them taken down. These people are so brazen in their ignorance and entitlement, they would publicly state their intention is to target ideological opponents through exploiting the courts. I'd be surprised if Sargon doesn't win legal fees. Uh, Reclaim the Net says, all that's left now, see whether or not this multi-year saga will have its conclusion in the court, awarding Benjamin the legal fees as well. But much more importantly, if the case might discourage future attempts to abuse copyright law as a weapon against political opponents on the internet. Now, the filing is absolutely fascinating reading. I gotta say, like, this is more fascinating. This is more in, 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 in engaging reading through the arguments than a, a good fiction novel, I must admit. I pulled this up and, and there, there, there's so much here, man. Akila Hughes and, and her cohorts, I can't believe how stupid they are. And I'm not trying to be mean. I mean that literally they're just not smart enough to have actually thought out how to proceed with some kind of action against Sargon to win this fight. It seems like this was 
a legal courtroom temper tantrum. Let me give you some advice. When you're dealing with legal matters, a pending lawsuit, shut the up. Don't talk about it. Well, here's the thing. Akila goes on Twitter screeching and howling, bragging about how she's going to take him down for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Not true. Exaggerating, using it to promote her channel and her content, trying to boost her brand by saying, look at me, I'm going after this, you know, fascist or whatever. You know what Sargon did? He shut the up. He shut up. He said nothing. In fact, I would ask him, I'd be like, hey, is that what's going on? Oh, I can't talk about it, mate. And I'd be like, smart move. Just mums the word. He did a couple. He did an update like, hey, I need legal fees to go, you know, to, to win this. His fans helped him out. That was about the end of it. Akila goes out bragging and screeching. And now she looks completely unreasonable. But here's where it gets really crazy. When I'm talking about how, how, how crazy and how stupid you have to be to try and do what she did. Let me see if I can find it because it's not. Uh, oh, I think I might be able to search for this. Um, actually, let's just let's just go down. Basically, she was told by the court that this was quintessential fair use. Maybe I can just do that. There we go. So let me read you the say. Even before he appeared in the case, Sargon warned plaintiff that the fair, fair use doctrine barred her claims. He informed plaintiff by letter that if she chose to proceed, defendant would prevail and would seek attorney's fees under the Copyright Act. Now, at one point here, they actually say that upon warning her counsel, this was the case, they quit. Akilah's lawyers, it's my understanding, I could be wrong, quit. And she hires new counsel. They say new counsel appears. Here's what they say. New counsel appeared for the plaintiff at initial conference. There, the court asked counsel to explain why defendant's work was not quintessential fair use. The court observed that the only question uh, presented, presented by the complaint is whether fair use defense can be decided on a motion to dismiss or whether it would have to wait until summary judgment. There's actually a quote in here where she said, where they actually show exactly what the the judge said, that would seem to me to be kind of quintessential fair use, right? Apparently, the case was so decisive in Sargon's position that it was, it was shut down in a motion to dismiss. So basically through reading this, and and look, you got to understand these filings are, 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 are biased, right? It's their argument. The argument was that typically when it comes to fair use, the court likes to observe all of the facts surrounding it, look at the evidence. But it was so glaringly obvious to Sargon, or I'm sorry, to the courts, that Sargon, what he did was fair use. They dismissed it in a motion to dismiss, shutting them down. Now, what's also interesting, they argue Akilah never actually asked for a settlement. They say, well, here, check it out. Plaintiff made no settlement offer at all until the March 2018th initial conference, despite having been warned by the court that her claims lacked merit. Plaintiff demanded $46,000 to resolve the case. Oh, that's strange. She was posting on Twitter that she was going to take him for hundreds of thousands. The unreasonable demand exceeded not only any conceivable recovery, but also the cost to defendant to have plaintiff's uh, claims dismissed on their merits. So look, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Apparently, another lawyer on YouTube has said this is, a, this is amazing. It's huge. This to me shows a couple important things. You're not crazy. All right. I've talked to a lot of people who are like former liberals, former leftists, anti-SJW, whatever it is, conservative. A lot of people have wondered whether or not they really are on the right or wrong side of history. Are the SJWs really crazy? Are we in a bubble? Who's in the bubble? They're in the bubble. This is another really important example. When you see how insane and entitled they are, 
but how decisively they lose in reality. They do not live in reality. Sargon was smart, calm, collected, kept his mouth shut, and he won, and he very well may win these fees. From their side, it's this bubble world where they go on Twitter bragging about how they're going to exploit the legal system for personal and ideological ideological gain. It's shocking to me. It's shockingly obvious that many of these people, the arguments they make. So, so this extends beyond just the legal court. Like, let me, let me, let me explain. These people go to Twitter and say, this person's dangerous. These people go to YouTube and say, ban these people. And guess what? These companies bend over backwards. When it goes to the actual courts, they review the data, the, the evidence and say, nope, dismissed. This is one of the biggest problems with the power the left has. First, I think if we start entering the real world, if YouTube, Twitter, Facebook start backing away and just saying, look, if you've got a problem, you've got to deal with it in the courts, like YouTube has done with copyright, you can see how it really results, or you can see how, what, how, what it results in. So basically, in bubble world, like colleges, they get people banned because of their fees. When it comes to Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, they get people banned because of their fees. But when it comes to actual law, they get obliterated. Now, what will be truly interesting is if Sargon wins. I got to be honest, I'm biased here, but it's about time we saw some victories. So this is absolutely good news. Sargon going on the offensive, also good news. Sargon won. That's great. But he, that was a defensive victory. Now he's going on the offensive and it's about time we start seeing people push back against the woke lunatics who are trying to exploit the system to take down their ideological opponents in, in nefarious and malevolent ways. So that's all good news. But now Sargon is on the direct offensive, kind of. It's still a bit of a defensive position to recover his losses. I am personally hoping the courts can and do some kind of punishment, some kind of punitive damage. Like you tried to manipulate us. You wasted our time. You bragged about it. No way. It would be absolutely epic if the courts, I don't know if they have the ability to, but instructed another, you know, 40K on top as, as a penalty for purposefully and willfully exploiting the court and wasting everyone's time. The courts exist for honest, you know, for honest, good faith reasons. Now, let me end by saying this. Akilah Hughes is the definition of a grifter. Did Sargon of Akan weaponize the suit to make money? He didn't. He kept his mouth shut. He defended himself. He's winning. And he's still only asking for his fees. That to me was shocking. You know why? Sargon is a very famous political commentator. His time is extremely valuable. He's not asking for his time to be to be compensated. That's to me, I mean, kind of shocking, actually, but honorable. I mean, I think Sargon's entitled to all of the hours he spent defending this. Look, the, the lawyers get paid, right? That's fees. But what about the time and energy Sargon had to spend on this frivolous case? Isn't he entitled to his time that was lost? I don't know. He's not even asking for it. It's honorable. He has been nothing but reasonable this whole time. So what, you, what, what, what we can see is, it, is an absolute grifter who has tried to use this case to promote her career, to, to rally her fan base, to get her ideological opponents banned from various platforms. Apparently, she contributed to getting Sargon banned on Patreon, and they played the game. So now you can see a vindictive, angry, and amoral individual who wants nothing but money and power, who will lie, cheat, and steal to get it, manipulating the courts, rallying her fans, saying, come on, come on, look what I'm doing. This is great, you know, and actively trying to stop Sargon's ability to defend himself. Talk about disgusting, amoral behavior. See, not only did she not actually try to protect copyright, 
She was trying to remove Sargon's legitimate ability to stage a defense. Our constitution has certain protections in it, specifically so that when you are faced in the courts, you get a fair trial. She wants to undermine that fair trial and say, I'm going to win by any means necessary. I'll, I'll, I'll end with one final thing. Copyright law exists so that, like, look, if someone took my whole video and then put it up on a different platform and started making money on it or building a base or building followers because they were trying to exploit it, that's a copyright violation. Someone's trying to use my content. Now, if they take clips of it, even long ones, and I'll tell you this too, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm a bit of a fair use absolutist. If someone took one of my videos and opened it by saying, guys, Tim Pool is an absolute moron, watch this video, and then I'll explain why he's a moron. And they literally played the whole thing. I still would be like, that's fine. Personally, I mean, a lot of people probably would take issue with it, but I, I wouldn't. I'd be like, go for it. You can play the whole 25 minutes and then afterwards be like, remember that part at minute 17 where Tim said these things? What an idiot. And that was it. There you go. I am, I am, I am very much in favor of these fair use laws. I think it's very important for a lot of reasons to advance the conversation, to be allowed to be allowed to criticize lunatics like, you know, this woman. I will I will add one final thing, just as a a final caveat, to be fair. Uh, I I, I worked at the same company as Akilah very briefly. We never directly worked together. She has accused me of being a liar in the past. So I'm absolutely biased. Take it for what it is. But I, I, I try to explain the whole time. I'm like, I'm totally biased. But let's be real. Sargon kept his mouth shut. And that was smart. And she mouthed off and bragged about how she was exploiting the system. And now she's lost. Let's see. Let's see where this goes. This is a step in the right direction in, in the culture war and shutting down these these moral authoritarians who are so brazen in their arrogance. They brag that they're exploiting and taking advantage of our goodwill. Stick around. Next video is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. The progressive left wing digital outlet, the Young Turks, is refusing to recognize its employees unions. And I can't say that I'm surprised. We have seen many things like this from various digital media outlets. And I will point out one of the weirdest things is Vice. I remember back when Vice was unionizing, Shane Smith was like, hey, man, more power to you. Do it to it. You know, we'll figure it out. That was his response. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm sure they had arguments in the negotiations. But Vice was supposed to be this edgy, like, I don't know, Vice before they became woke trash. We're not super woke. I mean, it was just weird. You'd think Vice would be the last to want to, to wanna support a union and the Young Turks would be the first. But sure enough, when it comes to putting their, mouth, their money where their mouth is, the Young Turks are right on board with any other major corporation and other progressive outlets that in the past have just purged people who tried forming unions. Well, I should be a little lighter on the Young Turks. They're just refusing to recognize for now. We'll see what happens. But let's read this story from the Free Beacon. They report, The Young Turks, a left-wing and pro-Bernie Sanders YouTube network, is refusing to recognize its employees' new labor union. A week after the TYT union was formed to represent production and post-production workers at the popular liberal channel, don't call them liberal, please. I got to stop every time you say this. Guys, the Young Turks are not liberals. They are leftists. Okay, please, the difference. The group announced that company leadership had refused voluntary recognition of the union. The refusal, which comes after Sanders proposed penalizing companies that refuse to recognize unions, is the latest uh, instance of a left-leaning news outlet resisting unionization among its employees. And and that's kind of weird to me. I got to be honest. Look, I get it. 
you might get annoyed by the coming increasing costs, but you negotiate with the union. Who cares? Like they'll unionize. They'll come for a contract. You'll negotiate and then you'll all move on. And if you don't, they leave. I don't know what the big deal is. It, it, how is it me being like union? Sounds good, guys, whatever. And I'm not even a pro union person. I'm like, so what? Calm down. And it's, it's the young Turks being like, no, quote, this is a disappointing decision from an organization that presents itself as progressive. What did you think was going to happen? You think these people are actually progressives. They are privileged crony elites with massive funding. The International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, the parent organization of the TYT union, tweeted, join us in telling the Young Turks to respect their so-called principles and respect their workers. Boasting over 200 million views a month, TYT is one of the most popular media voices in, le- in the leftist wing of the Democratic Party. Both of its co-hosts endorsed Bernie Sanders, who supports legislation that would automatically grant their employees the recognition TYT has withheld. Under current labor laws, the National Labor Relations Board sets up a secret ballot election if 30% of a workplace employees sign a union card. If a majority of employees vote to unionize, the National Labor Relations Board will certify the union. But employers can choose whether to recognize it, uh, choose whether, whether to recognize it under Sanders' labor plan. When a majority of workers in a bargaining unit sign valid authorization cards to join a union, they will have a union. If employers refuse to negotiate in good faith, we will impose strong penalties on those companies, according to a press release from IATSE. A majority of TYT's employees signed union cards. In a statement last week announcing its formation, TYT Union invoked the network's left-wing pro-union stance, saying, we're proud, of the work, we're, we're proud to work behind the scenes at TYT to create online content that's bold, entertaining, and unapologetically progressive, the group wrote. There is no other news and talk network quite like TYT. And the perspective our network brings to its political coverage is resolutely pro-justice and pro-worker. Free Beacon then goes on to say that Bernie Sanders had endorsed Jenk Uger of the Young Turks and then retracted it because Jenk had said a bunch of, you know, nasty things. I think that's unfair. And that shows me the spinelessness of the left. Dude, lean in, stand by people who support you. Grow up. Jenk Uger is not a bigot because he wrote things in the past. Jenk Uger is a leftist. He deserves to be called one. He stands by his principles for good, for, 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 for good or for bad, whatever the reason. It's stupid to pull up his old m- remarks and be like, oh, I'm going to reject this. Now get out of here, man. The dude supports you. I'll tell you what, though. This is grounds to say I'm going to reject an endorsement. Look, you know, I've defended Jenk when the media smeared him heavily He's running for Congress in Katie Hill's district. Boy, is there enough? You hear about that hacking scandal? Well, maybe we'll get to that later. But I defended him when the media smeared him. I do not stand for the media smearing anybody, even people I disagree with. But this just says to me what I could have assumed. The Young Turks claim to be progressive and they won't voluntarily recognize a union. Of course, the TYT stands have come out of the woodwork to say, hey, man, they're a scrappy upstart that's trying to fight the establishment. No, they're not. They're extremely wealthy. They make so much money, dude. Are you nuts? Check this out. First, here's a, well, here, this is the Twitter account. Here's the initial post that the crew of the Young Turks has organized. Good for you guys. Then we have this thread where they said, unfortunately, you know, we, we're not going to get recognized. Let me show you this. This guy, Adam on, on Twitter, Adam Petruccione says, Is it possible that they literally can't afford to unionize? They run on a shoestring budget as it is. Oh, spare me. Make whatever excuse you want for the Young Turks, but this ain't it. I happen to know, I I happen to know the minimum threshold for how much money they make. And I'm pretty confident 
that they're making like, well, they're making millions upon millions of dollars per year. And they're, they're, they're probably making 10 plus. So I, I've talked to people from the Young Turks, <clears throat> excuse me, and they've explained to me how many subscribers they have, how much the average subscriber spends. I know they are not operating on a shoestring budget. I know Cenk Uger is extremely wealthy. I'm pretty sure he's a multimillionaire. Now, now are his staff getting paid well? I'm not going to pretend like I think, you know, Anna Kasparian and the other hosts are getting paid anywhere near what Jenk gets paid, but I'm pretty sure they get paid decently well. But I think it is completely unfair to argue they're operating on a shoestring budget. Based on what I know from what I've seen, you know, the work I've seen, I think they make a ton, a ton of money. Now, some one person responded, if they can't afford to pay their employees a fair wage, they can't afford to be in business. That's actually kind of dumb. (laughs) I get what you're trying to say, but that would mean like a lot of businesses wouldn't exist. A fair wage. Well, actually, no. Okay. On the surface, that makes sense. A fair wage. Great. If you have a business that makes very little money, what's fair is, you know, sharing what you can with the person who wants to work there. And if they don't want to work there, then they, they don't. But fair is what you can afford. The Young Turks, in my opinion, they're substantially wealthy. They're well-funded. They can absolutely afford to pay more. But regardless of whether or not they can pay, this is what's most annoying about these people trying to defend the Young Turks in this circumstance. Listen, if there is a union forms and they come to negotiate with, with Jank or upper management, they just say no. So the employees might be like, we want a benefits package. Here's our budget. We're on a, shoe, a shoestring. We can't afford to give that to you. That says nothing about whether or not the union should or shouldn't exist. And I am not a particularly pro-union person. I would never join one. I've been in them before. Do not like the experience. Wouldn't want to be involved. But I got no problem with people. I, I think collective bargaining is great. It doesn't guarantee you money. I think a lot of these media companies or these people unionize are, I disagree with their views. And here's the thing. When talking about, say, like Vox, or these other leftist media companies, these companies don't make money at all. They, they, they are investment funded companies. The Young Turks is very different. The Young Turks has been building and growing, expanding, making money. So they certainly have the money to pay. You got you to you retract a little bit. Great. That's what BuzzFeed did. When BuzzFeed was like, hey, we've pushed to the limit. This is how much money we're going to make. They laid some people off. They retracted the company a little bit, lowered some salaries, things like that, I think. And then it resulted in them being somewhat profitable. If you've got to, if you've got to retract a little bit, hey, these things happen. But in my view, and what I know about the Young Turks, they're playing games. Now, it's funny. How many of you, if, if I were to tell you that it is typical of leftist media sites to reject unions, to play shady games, would you believe me? Well, some might say, no, of course not, Tim. That's absurd. These are the people who champion the unions. The Young Turks, they're an outlier. They're a for-profit, former Republican. You know, young Cenk used to be a former Republican, or used to be a Republican. He's a former Republican. And you say they're, 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 the, they're the exception, not the rule. Oh, I love this one because the Free Beacon links to this story from September 10th, which says, CAP scraps Think Progress relaunch after firing union staffers. Center for American Progress accused of union busting. I love it. You can't deny this, man. I'm sorry. I'll say it's just my opinion, but... When you have a staff that says, hey, we're going to unionize, you then say, we're restructuring and firing everybody, and then hire a new staff. I'm going to go ahead and make the assumption that uh, you're union busting. Listen, man, like I said for the third time, I'm not a big union, union fan, but I think it's wrong. 
to claim to support unions, to push these values, but secretly behind the scenes, you don't care. This is why it's always funny to me that they're like right wing grifters. Dude, I work for myself. This channel is just me. I do, I do 99% of it. I have some help. That's, that's, that's unfair. But for the most part, I just find stories. I talk about them. The Timcast IRL show has tons of support because now I'm expanding to the point where I need help. And I recognize that I do. And even though I'm not a very pro-union person, I would absolutely be like, whatever you guys say, man, just let me know what you need and we'll, and we'll negotiate. And if we can't make it work, well, then we can't make it work. But collective bargaining, I'm, I'm cool. With. I just personally disagree with. So why is it these people who want to accuse us or, pe- or you know, so, I'm not going to name names, but some other people of being grifters and trying to scam people when they're literally, literally claiming to support progressive values and labor rights. You know what's even funnier about this? There's a video. It's hilarious. It's from an Amazon HQ protest. Socialists showed up demanding fair wages and actual construction workers shouted them down saying no to socialism. You ever notice that the people claiming to represent the working class and labor are upper class college educated elites? What's up with that? How come you never see a group of black clad Antifa who look like carpenters or, you know, uh, <laughs> or, you know, bricklayers or, or you know, uh, masons? It's never a construction worker. It's never a plumber or an electrician. It's always a scrawny college grad white dude with, a, with some bachelor's degree, liberal, liberal arts degree claiming they represent the working class. It's like, bro, you're the educated elite. It's like you're the bourgeoisie protesting yourself. These people are nuts. Now, this story is hilarious. Once again, another example, examples we've seen in the past. What was it like? Uh, I can't remember which company, Gizmodo or something. We're struggling to get their union recognized. Vox, BuzzFeed. It just keeps happening like clockwork. Management says, oh, no, we espoused all these fancy leftist ideas. And now our staff believes them. What do we do? One of my favorite things. I'm not going to name this company. I want to avoid getting sued. But one of these leftist progressive companies started out libertarian like big L libertarian, like Ron Paul all the way, baby. And then take that one out of context. And then uh, I like Ron Paul, so it's fine. Uh, but, but then later on became woke progressive. The dudes who owned it were like hardcore libertarians who were just like, hey, man, make money, right? Get paid. And they were producing like this left wing crap, this like woke nonsense. This is what happens. These companies, their intention is to build a business. They're exploiting emotional instability. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bunch of leftists mad right now. I was reading a study the other day by this uh, guy named Glenn Guerin, I think his name is, talking about how there's a direct correlation in, in universities with social justice ideology and gender. He said in his study, and it could be wrong, I'm not saying this, I'm just repeating it, and assuming it's true, women have lower emotional stability, which correlates with leftism. Surprise, surprise, that lower emotional stability is easily manipulated by woke leftist content. It all makes sense. These companies like, you know, the Young Turks, Think Progress, know that there are, emotion, there, there are people who are less emotionally stable who can be easily manipulated with shock content that will make them money. And lo and behold, it turns out they're staunch capitalists running the show. Man, it is so annoying to me. I am such a hippie, lefty, libertarian type. I pay too much I, I, I always pay fair. I pay all my taxes. I do everything right. I am anything but a laissez-faire capitalist. I am not a big fan. I lean left. I am like, I take a political compass test. I'm basically a socialist, but I'm all about freedom. So I don't believe in instructing other people how they should live and what they should do. I run my business in, in such a way 
that I feel comfortable that I'm taking care of the people who are helping make my, my system, you know, make my business work. Because I do believe that it's not some of a lot of what I've put together and built my YouTube channel was basically just me for the longest time. Now I have help and I make sure I'm taking care of every people to the best of my abilities. Why is it that they accuse me of being the right wing dude? And I, I genuinely have these principles where I want to help and make sure I'm, I'm cutting people into the best of my ability. I want to be safe. I want to make sure my business can survive. But I'll, I'll just say I'm probably generous to a fault when it comes to you know, my view of how a business should run. Yet they point the finger at me and will accuse me of all the worst things in the book while standing behind people who won't even recognize their union. Center, Center for American Progress, let me read this for you. They say, on Friday, the entire staff of Think Progress was fired after CAP was unable to find a buyer for the site, leading many to believe that it would be taken out of operation. Navin Nayak, executive director for the Center for American Progress Action Fund, praised the site's writers in an obituary on Monday before delivering the news that the liberal think tank would continue to operate the site, albeit without any of the union staffers. It's like a joke, isn't it? We'll be transitioning Think Progress back to its roots as a site that offers analysis on policy, politics, and news. You will be able to count on the new Think Progress to offer a proudly progressive perspective on the most important policy and political debates in the country. The Monday Evening Post drew immediate criticism from the Writers Guild East, which represented Think Progress's 11 staffers. The union emphasized that it was able to deliver 12-week severance packages for writers and editors, but it was livid that the Center for American Progress intended to capitalize off of the labor of the site's writers. We were blindsided by the revelation that CAP intends to continue operating the Think Progress site with its own labor and use the Think Progress social media accounts to promote that work, the union said in a statement, to take away our independent voice and use the wide audience built by Think Progress union staff for other purposes is an affront to the Think Progress mission. I don't think it really is. I think the Think Progress mission was always say whatever needs to be said to get Democrats elected. Tell people you support their union cause, but uh-oh, when they actually step up and say, you know those things you asked us to parrot to get Democrats elected? Well, we actually started to believe them. And now we want to have these same benefits. What do you do? Yeah, you fire everybody and say, we got we to shrink down because we can't afford it. And then you bring on non-labor, not non-union staff. It's, 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 look, conservative sites, I don't think would ever unionize. You know, I, I really don't expect the staff of the Daily Wire to form a union. Maybe they would. But I also would be willing to bet one of two things. First, they likely, I think if, the, if, if for some reason a union did form at, say, like the Daily Wire, the Daily Wire would deal with it professionally, uh, abide by their legal obligations, and they'd be careful, and they would do what they had to do under the law. They, they'd, be, they'd be suit-wearing business professionals in ties, walking with their briefcases, opening the paperwork, and saying, what do we need to do to solve this? You look at these sites, and they overreact, they react quickly, and with, an, with a heavy, with an iron fist. I'd also be willing to bet that if it was the case that one of these right-wing sites was going to unionize, and they did say, nah, we're not into it, the audience would appreciate it. They'd be like, yeah, you go. Shut those unions down. I, I don't really think so because I think something weird has happened where a lot of conservatives have become, it's the blue collar boom. A lot of blue collar people are now supporting Trump and the right. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the right actually started saying, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do right by the union, but we'll negotiate hard. I wouldn't be surprised by that. But here's the ultimate point. If a conservative website refused to recognize a union, who would be surprised? 
It's like Donald Trump. He shows up to his rallies in in an airport hangar. I'm not exaggerating. With a 747 behind him with his name on it. He literally has his plane pull up and all of his supporters can see this massive jumbo jet. And Trump gets out and he's walking in the wind and he gets up and he goes, that's my jet. It's big, massive, giant jumbo jet. Excuse me. It's the best jet. He's proud. Then you look at Elizabeth Warren. She walks out of her private jets, tiny little rinky dink thing, and she hides. Oh, no, they can't find out. I'm actually taking private jets. That is the that is a perfect exemplification of what the left and the right are. Okay, maybe not really, but it's a good point. Trump gloats about his wealth. He's proud of it. And his supporters are proud of it too. Well, (laughs) I got to keep this family friendly. But there's a meme that shows somebody when Donald Trump did all those McDonald's burgers at the White House. And there's a dude holding a stack of of burgers all excited. And the media was claiming that it was an offensive thing for Trump to do to to, to give McDonald's. And someone said, if you think, I think like a a college uh, athlete, is it any, in any way upset that he's eating cheeseburgers in the White House with a billionaire president married to a, <laughs> married to a supermodel, to say the least, who, who bangs? <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'll keep it family friendly. Then you would be sorely mistaken. I remember that clip from uh, the it was it was I think it was a debate. Megyn Kelly said, Trump, you've called women horrible names. Trump goes only Rosie O'Donnell. And the audience roars. This has been coming up lately because, you know, Scott Adams are tweeting about it in the, in the, in the Democratic debate. And then and then when confronted saying, how do you respond, you know, to, to, to the Americans because of your rhetoric? He goes, this country has got a problem with political correctness. He refused to back down. He leaned into exactly who he was and everyone cheered for it. Doesn't mean he's right, but it does mean he will stand up for what he believes in. Now I take a look at the left, the Young Turks. Oh, they, they do not lean in. They say, no way, Jose, we can recognize that union. Why is that? Trump is proud of his jumbo jet, his private jet. Democrats hide when they see when, when they're coming out of theirs. Bernie looking shocked, sitting in first class, all that stuff. It's hypocrisy. That's what it is. They don't support unions. As soon as their staff unionized, they're like, nope, 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 nope. You're fired. Get out. The Young Turks were like, nope, what union? You don't exist. I'm not surprised. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCast. It is a different channel, and I will see you all there. Donald Trump is furious that 14 people infected with the coronavirus were evacuated from Japan and brought back to the U.S. And I have to say, I completely, unequivocally agree with Donald Trump on this. And I've been saying the same thing for a while. To me, it's insane that when, when you see the reaction from China over the severity of the coronavirus, which is absolutely getting worse every single day. We are not talking about something that's not as bad as the flu. The way they've reacted, they're, it's like they're expecting the whole system to collapse. It's nuts. U.S. military is preparing for a full-blown pandemic. Experts in, two different, in the U.S. and the U.K. saying 60% global infection rate. That sounds insane. Maybe it's just a high estimate. Maybe it's an exaggeration. But Donald Trump is outraged because they actually brought people back who are literally infected. And I've got really bad news for all of you. It would seem it's possible. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm just some dude on the internet. But it would seem that Trump's has good reason to be angry because now the quarantine seems to be broken. The New York Post reports untraceable coronavirus cells emerge in three countries amid pandemic. Un, they say doctors are unable to identify the source of the coronavirus clusters in South Korea, Singapore, and Iran. The World Health Organization said Saturday using a stricter approach to contra- containing the virus. A number of spot fires occurring around the world is a sign that things are ticking along 
And what we are going to have here is probably a pandemic. Oh, man. I hope y'all are ready because everybody was talking about, you know, Civil War II. Uh, 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 Sorry, I never saw this coming. We're going to have a pandemic. Man, that's shocking. They've been saying it for a while, but check it out. They don't know where these three clusters came from. That says to me, and I could be wrong, well, quarantine's broken. They don't know the source of, the, of, this, of these people. How, how, what's the likelihood that many, many more people in other places are infected? We just don't know about it. How bad is this really going to get? What's the real mortality rate? I honestly don't know. They're saying it's around 2%. It could be higher. But it's traveling as fast or faster than the flu. And now we can't track it anymore. That's how movies start. Let's read about Donald Trump and why he's angry. And I got to say, you know, Trump has said everything's going to be okay. And if he's getting mad, I'm going to say, because I always say it. I know you guys, many of you probably heard me say it before. If you haven't gone out to a Home Depot or Lowe's and picked up a bunch of those five gallon waters, I think you're crazy. I think you're absolutely crazy. The best case scenario, nothing happens. We're, we're all just nuts. I'm a paranoid, crazy person on the internet. And you got some water to drink. Hey, you can drink some fresh water. It's no big deal. They're not even that expensive. Worst case scenario. We do reach pandemic levels. The economy has already been taking a hit. Basically, all of China is locked down. You're going to have water. Seriously, consider it. The Daily Mail reports President Donald Trump is reportedly furious after underlings at the State Department decided to fly 14 Diamond Princess passengers who tested positive for coronavirus back to the U.S. without telling him and against his wishes. Trump has been told Trump had been told last Saturday that only evacuees who didn't have symptoms or positive test results would be allowed on State Department charter planes back to the U.S. from Japan, according to the Washington Post. Officials on the ground realized late in the evacuation process on the airport tarmac in Tokyo that 14 of the roughly 350 evacuees had tested positive for the virus. Excellent. It's here in America. I love it. State Department underlings made the quick decision to allow the infected citizens onto the flights, but separated from the other passengers within portable biocontainment units that were already on the planes in case passengers showed symptoms during the flight, but it can be transmitted when you're asymptomatic. Trump learned the decision only after the fact and was angry that he wasn't consulted first, complaining that the decision could damage his administration's handling of the response. Administrations told the Post. Some members of the coronavirus task force back in Washington were not told in advance that the infected people would be on the plane and learned about it only after the plane was on its way back to the U.S., One senior White House official said not informing Trump of the decision ahead of time was a big operational mistake. Trump has since expressed in outrage on phone calls with top White House officials saying he should have been told that it should have been his decision and that he did not agree with the decision that was made. I completely, completely agree. There there are very few moments when I'm going to be like, you go, president. You are absolutely right on this one. You're going to look. I could be wrong. I could be a moron. Maybe Trump is, too. You're going to have to explain to me why you think it's a good idea to break quarantine and bring infected people back to this country instead of letting them chill where they were. Look, man, I'll tell you what. If I'm on a cruise ship and everyone gets infected, you don't, gotta, you don't, you don't even got to ask. I'll say, bro, I am going to stay here until everything is calmed down and said and done because I do not want to be responsible for causing others harm because of this infection. I will begrudgingly and I will, not, I will enthusiastically accept that quarantine. I get it. Now, let me tell you something. If the quarantine was like zombie plague or something, I might be more panicked, but it's a tough call. And you've got to put others ahead of yourselves sometimes. So think about it this way. It's really easy for me to say that I'd chill on a cruise ship, luxury cruise, eating some fancy food because I might get a sickness with a low mortality rate. 
If it was something more serious, like a, a seriously high mortality rate, some kind of plague, I'd still, I'd still not break quarantine because you have to recognize that when you leave, when you say, please bring me back home, it'll be okay. You're putting hundreds of millions of people at risk, potentially the world, if this isn't handled properly. Now I know maybe it makes sense to just trust the officials because if someone tells you to stay on the ship and you do, and someone else tells you to get on the plane, you do. What's the best way to, to, to deal with this? Maybe certain quarantines aren't the right way. So it's hard to know for sure. But I'll tell you what, if it were me and they said, do you want to be you know, evacuated? I'd say, what's the best decision to make sure this doesn't spread? I'll tell you what, I do not want to bring this back to the United States. Unfortunately, it's already here. And that other story from the New York Post showing that there's untraceable clusters emerging. Quarantine's broken, man. We're going pandemic. I don't know how bad it's going to get, but I will also point one thing out. There's a possibility. And I, I, I'm, it's, it's rare, but hear me out. There's a possibility there is no November election. Very, very unlikely. I think I'm going to be as alarmist as I can be, so calm down. But if this truly does go pandemic levels, and we're talking 60% infection, it's, it's tens of millions dead, you might see the American people saying, chill, hold off. Like, like not even begrudgingly. You might see never Trumpers saying now is not the time. I'm not even kidding. Depends on how bad this really gets. But the question is, will this be a, another plague? I honestly don't think so. I don't. I think we should be concerned and be prepared because there's going to be economic lockdown because of the damage to this. Which, so but, uh, what that means is there's going to be a shortage of antibiotics, other products that are produced in China, ma- major shortages. They're, they're shutting everything down. Their economy is at a standstill. Their banks are in trouble. It's going to trickle out to the rest of the world. So get your supplies now because they may be in short supply later. Get some food that, you know, get, get some food that lasts a little while, some protein bars can last a couple of years. The expiration, I mean, like get a couple of weeks worth. Take it seriously. I don't think based on what they're telling us, we're dealing with the apocalypse. But I'm not going to ba- base my decision off of what they're saying for the most part. I'm going to base my decisions based off what they're doing. Actions speak louder than words. And the way China has panicked over this says they're not telling us something. And they've been lying the whole time. Again, is the apocalypse? No, not necessarily. But they have basically quarantined the entire country. That says something. Let's read a little bit more. They say all of the Diamond Princess passengers who return to the U.S. are currently under a 14-day mandatory quarantine on military bases in California and Texas. On Friday, the CDC said there were now 28 U.S. residents brought home from the Diamond Princess cruise ship who have tested positive for the virus. Why bring it here? I just don't understand. Those who tested positive for coronavirus are receiving medical care in top-level medical isolation units. The State Department underlings countermanded the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in ruling that the infected citizens could return to the U.S. on the evacuation flights. Sources involved in the decision told Washington Post that CDC staunchly warned the State State Department against transporting infected and uninfected people side by side, but were ultimately overruled. It was like the worst nightmare, said a senior U.S. official involved in the decision who spoke to the Post on the condition of anonymity. Quite frankly, the alternative could have been pulling grandma out in the pouring rain, and that would have been bad too. Asked about the conflict between the two agencies during a Friday press briefing, CDC spokesperson Nancy Messiner punted curtly to the State Department. They got a bunch of pictures here. Wow, this is crazy, man. These are, these are big. This is awesome. I mean, these photos are fantastic. They have photos and videos of the evacuations. I'm, I'm impressed. It's important to remember that this was, an, this was an emerging and unusual circumstance, said Ian Brownlee, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary, Bureau of Consular Affairs, 
We had 328 people on buses, a plan to execute, and we have received lab results on people who are otherwise asymptomatic, unill people on a bus on the way to the airport. Okay, so I only got a little bit left, a little bit of time left. I want to focus on this pandemic they're saying in this other story. I want to stress untraceable. We don't know how these things got there. The quarantine is broken. This is spreading beyond our control. Doctors began floating fears of a pandemic, which occurs when a disease spreads to two continents on Friday as two more died in Iran. The number of cases in South Korea doubled and Italy saw its first death. In Iran, an untraceable case that spread to 28 others is believed to have popped up in the city of Kwam. Hundreds of new cases detected in South Korea were sparked by a member of a church of 9,000 in the city of Daegu. But doctors have been unable to pinpoint an origin. Doctors fear the spread could quicken and widen if they're unable to identify all those infected and get them into quarantine. Making matters worse, coronavirus symptoms are often so mild that a spreader could be unaware they are infected. People are unlikely to die from mild cases, but it's really bad news if you're trying to stop a pandemic. An official with the World Health Organization warned Saturday that the window of opportunity is narrowing to contain the virus. We have to prepare at the same time for any eventualities because this outbreak could go in any direction. It could even be messy. Well, it's messy already. I don't know what to expect. Is it going to be the plague, the end of the world? Again, don't think so. But I implore you to go to the store and buy a little bit, man. Just buy something. Look, I, will, I, I, I know I say it all the time in these videos because it is very, very important for anybody who hasn't heard me say it before. If this is the first time you've seen a video from me talking about something like this, then you need to hear what I'm about to say. And I'll wrap it up with this. Don't let anyone shame you into not taking care of yourself. They make jokes about preppers. They think it's funny when you talk about buying supplies. I'm not saying build a bunker. I'm not saying stock up 35 years of food in a, in a lead chamber or whatever to avoid the nuclear apocalypse. I'm saying grab some, couple, some cases of bottled water. Grab some canned food. It's going to last you for a couple of weeks because the worst case scenario in terms of my, what I'm predicting that I'm wrong, you'll have some food to eat. But if, if, if this really does get bad, you will be very, very grateful that today you went out and prepared to take care of yourself. Stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. Some people have Trump derangement syndrome that is so absolutely severe that in a pickup truck, they try to run down two 14-year-old twin boys because they were waving Trump flags. This is, it's getting so insane, man. From what I talked about earlier on my main channel with these fringe psychotic conspiracy theories and these overt acts of uh, cr- criminal acts and violence, I'm just wondering when it's all going to end and when we can finally kick back, have a slice of pizza and just say, chill out, man. I sometimes take uh, t- take the, the 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 Obama era. Uh, I, I, sh- I take it for gra- I've taken it for granted that although he did a lot of bad things, it's nowhere near the level of derangement from these people. And it's and, and this is what scares me. As much as no one wants to admit it, some people do. The violence really does work, and it's horrifying, and they know it. But it's no way to live. The analogy I often give as to why. These big social media companies bend over backwards for the for the anti-fascist, the woke far left crazy people is because they know people like me, people like Sargon of Akkad. We're never going to lead our fans to, to their headquarters in anger and protest. And so they ignore us. They tell us to go shove off. They got nothing to worry about. But they know that the far left lunatics and these people with Trump derangement syndrome will run them off the road. 
So they bend over backwards. They're scared. Let's read this story. And I got another one, man. GOP office in Milwaukee was vandalized. This stuff, I'm just so tired, you know. Daily Mail reports, Indiana couple in a pickup truck ran 14-year-old twin boys riding their bikes off the road because they were waving Trump flags. Police in Indiana have accused a couple of deliberately forcing two teenage boys off the road because they had the flags on their bikes. Hobart cops say a video, say video found on Snapchat ended up helping officers identify and charge those allegedly responsible. 23-year-old Kyron Gregory Perry Jones and 18-year-old Kaylin Marie Smith have been charged in connection with the incident, which happened in July. The couple who were driving the car are said to have run the 14-year-old teenage twin boys off the road after making threats towards them. The boys told police that the vehicle had come up to, to, to them when the male driver asked one of the boys if they were Trump supporters, to which he confirmed they were. They're 14, dude. If they're Trump supporters, it's because they just, their parents did it or they saw memes. They don't exactly even know. Give kids a break. The driver then swerved at the boys, forcing them onto the grass at the side of the road to avoid being struck. The driver is then alleged to have followed the boys before getting out of the car and ripping off the flag from one of the brother's bikes. After dropping on the ground, the driver then, then ran back to his car and drove away, but not before running the flag over, according to an affidavit seen by Fox 10. Perry Jones and Smith have both been charged with felony counts of intimidation and criminal recklessness felonies that could lend them time in prison if convicted. Now, I will I will ask. I'm curious as to why the passenger, the woman, is being charged as well. But perhaps in the video, she was yelling and threatening as well. They say they were also charged with one count each of theft and criminal mischief, both misdemeanors. Although the incident happened in July, the charges were only brought now after a delay in obtaining the videos and other related information to the case from Snapchat. The videos allegedly shot by the couple show their encounter with the boys. Well, there you go. Listen, these people who film their crimes deserve to go to jail more than any other criminal. And if someone commits a crime and they do it smart, they're trying to get away with it. It's like sometimes you can respect the art. It's horrifying, but at least some people think about what they're doing. These people ran kids off a road filming themselves doing it, posting it. Are you nuts? Yes, the answer is yes. The driver turns the wheel sharply as if he saw the boys and wanted to hit them with the vehicle while yelling, y'all better get home. A man's voice can then be heard instructing the, the woman passenger in the car to pull the flag down before video shows her trying to reach for it through her window before telling the male driver to move closer. So that's why she got charged. The female is then heard saying, y'all scared just like your president and America is not great, accompanied by some swearing. A second Snapchat video sees Perry Jones allegedly saying, don't let me see you downtown to one of the boys with a threat to beat him up if he does. You're going to threaten 14-year-olds, dude? Grow up, man. Perry, uh, Perry Jones also allegedly threatened to beat the boys up for calling 911. Man, felony charges. Well, they deserve it. In the video, Perry Jones also said that if police questioned him about it, he would just say the boys called him a racial slur. Oh, and you get the hoax hate crime. It's dropped right on top. Wow. This is a twofer. We got a trifecta here. We got a hat trick. We got hoax hate crime. We got cr- uh, uh, violence and threats against children. And we got a Milwaukee GOP office vandalized with graffiti. TDS, serious mental derangements. It's Trump anxiety disorder, they call it, TAD, but colloquially known as Trump derangement syndrome. I- I'm loving that this guy ended his, his violence against these kids 
with, uh, I'll just say you called me a slur. Wow. How many times do you think it's actually happened that someone accused a Trump supporter and we don't have the evidence? I bet it has. Here's the story from uh, NBC Milwaukee. Now this stuff, it's got to stop, man, but it's not gonna, it's going to get worse. Milwaukee police are looking for the people responsible for vandalizing the Republican Party office downtown. It opened nearly two weeks ago at Martin Luther King Jr. Drive in North Avenue. African-American outreach director for the Republican Party of Wisconsin, Kenzer Sanat, came across the vandalism at his workplace Wednesday morning. Black and white paint was scribbled across the windows and the word scum was tagged in the back door. Not happy about vandalism, plain and simple, Sanat said. I want this office to be a place that individuals can come in and we can have civil dialogue. Police are investigating the circumstances surrounding the graffiti. The office is the first for the Republican Party in Milwaukee in recent memory, which meant a lot to Chairman Andrew Hitt. I don't know who did this. I think it probably has a lot to do with politics. Well, of course, they wrote scum on a GOP office door. What do you think happened? Hitt said it causes him concern when, uh, for when the Democratic National Convention comes to town. We've, we've seen sort of this increased intolerance of the left, a freedom of ideas to talk about what we believe in, it said. We can see on the door, it says scum. A spokesperson for the Democratic Party of Wisconsin released the following statement on the graffiti. Unlike the Republican Party, we unequivocally condemn actions like this regardless of who is targeted. So funny. Did you condemn any of these other attacks? Any, oh, come on. They don't. That's a lie. And I'm offended. I am triggered by your lie. Hit and Senate said they're not worried about security at the office and feel they picked the right location to spread their views. We're not going to go, be going anywhere. We're looking to engage the community and engage, you know, with urban voters to push our message across. Do you know what the, you know what's going to happen in Milwaukee? I think, what do they say in July? The Democratic National Convention, the Democratic National Convention. And you know, you know, you know what they do there? They're going to steal the nomination from Bernie Sanders. That's what they do there. That's what they did last time. That's what they'll do again. And you are going to have all of the delegates from all the different states sitting around. And there's not going to be enough pledge delegates for Bernie Sanders, even though he has the popular vote. It's going to result in a bunch of crazy Antifa far lefties rampaging through Milwaukee. Mark my words. Okay. I don't think I know everything. Maybe my prediction will be wrong. But I remember the, the, the political conventions in 2016, and you may, have seen, you, you, you may remember this as well. First, at the RNC, went off without a hitch. Kind of boring, actually. Walked around, not, so much, not too much going on. The Democratic National Convention, I was actually on the floor when they gave it to Hillary Clinton. Historical moment. The first time a woman received a, a nomination for a major political party. Now, women have been nominated for political parties before, but this is the Democrats, right? There were thousands of people protesting, trying to tear down the barricades and jump the fence into the DNC. These protests were angry and they weren't angry with Trump or the Republicans. They were angry with the Democrats because Hillary Clinton stole it from Bernie. What do you think's going to happen? The theft against Bernie was slow back then, right? It was kind of like you didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but Bernie ran and he started losing and Hillary started winning. But now we're seeing a whole bunch of tomfoolery with these primaries and these caucuses. Today is the Nevada caucus. We'll see what happens. I'm going to go chill out, maybe order some pizza, play some board games and watch and see the results pour in. I'm fully expecting some shenanigans. I mean, maybe by the time you've watched this video, it's all over and the shenanigans have already happened or maybe they didn't. But here's, here's what I love. 
I'm, I'm, I'm saying this somewhat facetiously. Why would Antifa, what, what's the best reason for Antifa on the far left to riot this year? Donald Trump's reelection? Nah, <laughs> maybe they rioted when Trump got inaugurated in 20, it was a 2017, January 20th. But uh, when they steal this nomination from Bernie Sanders, which I fully expect them to do, how much you want to bet you are going to see the biggest Antifa insanity in Milwaukee ever seen before. I'd be willing to bet, man, it's going to be historic. Milwaukee 2020 will be remembered. They talk about, you know, the cops back in 68 or whatever, things like that. WTO 2004, uh, you know, Minneapolis or whatever those dates were. 2020 in Milwaukee, it's going to go down. They're going to call it the, the, you know, the mayhem in Milwaukee. They'll give it some, some alliterative name. But you're going to see Antifa smashing windows, spray painting, throwing rocks, lighting fires. The best thing the Democrats could do is uh, if Bernie gets the popular vote and the, the, the convention is contested, it stands to reason they should vote for Bernie. I mean, why give it to anybody else? Bloomberg's already been plotting his, conven- his strategy to steal it from Bernie Sanders. And that's going to happen. A billionaire is going to buy the nomination to oust the populist. You're going to see some bricks flying, man. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I'm not a, uh, I'm a very, very anti-violence person, anti-vandalism person. But you know, as much as I can condemn violence, say it's the wrong thing, sometimes you just understand a little bit. So I'll, I'll put it this way, because I've said this before. You know, when it comes to punching people in the face because they got nasty opinions, boy, do I sympathize with your desire to do so, but you don't cross that line. We take control of our emotions, all right? We don't do that as much as, boy, do you really want to sometimes, because we have to maintain that barrier. But I'll tell you what, when Antifa shows up and goes nuts on the DNC, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begrudgingly laugh. You know, as much as I don't like that they're going to do it, and I think they should, should be stopped, I'm, you know, I'm telling you right now, DNC, you're going to steal this election from Bernie Sanders. And I completely understand why there is going to be a war in the DNC. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised if the people in the convention go nuts. I'm talking like brawling on the floor of the DNC. It's going to be insane. You're not going to see Bernie Sanders supporter going, looks like we lost this one because last time Bernie Sanders actually didn't get the delegate count. Super delegates voted for Hillary, pushed her over the edge, but she was winning. Now, I know Nevada, it says a lot going on. I'll get this one short. But what do you think is going to happen when Bernie actually wins the popular vote in the, in the Democratic primaries? Is it that he, it goes to the DNC, then they go, well, we're contested, so we're going to round two, and the super delegates step up and go, Mike Bloomberg. Nah, that's going to be nuts. And you know what? I got to say it, I condemn and denounce all the violence, but at a certain point, man, you know it's coming because you guys, the cronies, these people are evil. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. I've done a couple segments about Donald Trump's support in the African-American community, and that although it's actually kind of bad, it's actually really good for a Republican, and it may have doubled since 2016. Tim Scott thinks it's going to hit around 15%, which isn't that magic 20% number. So I'll explain. They say that if a Republican can get 20% of the black vote, Democrat will never win again. Trump's at 15. Among black men, 24. So you combine that with his general incumbent advantage in a strong economy, and it looks like he's on, the, he's on a track for a, for a good victory. But I got some more bad news for Democrats. This story from The Atlantic, Latino support for Trump is real. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. 
And that's a problem for Democrats. Hey, wait a minute. I'm the guy who rags on Democrats every day. Okay, I'm supposed to be the biased guy who won't shut up about it. Oh, what's that? The media often runs these stories, too. Why? Because it's true. Ah, you should have told me. Then when people started accusing me, me of being biased, I could just point to the fact that I always cite legitimate news sources. Anyway, I'm being I'm being kind of a dick. The point is, do we know it, man? I'm not sitting here ragging on Democrats because I don't like the word Democrat. It's because they're nuts and it's because they're losing support across the board. Support for Trump among Latinos is up. Surprisingly, there's some stats showing among women it's up. That I didn't believe that, but it's true. In the data we're looking at about black support for Donald Trump, support from black women is actually up. I don't know how he pulled that one off, but Trump did it. He still got really, really low support among African-American women, but it's still up 50%. Man, he's done something, I guess. At least he got a little bit. Let's read the story from The Atlantic and see how this is real. President Donald Trump has done almost everything he can to anger Latino voters. And yet his support among this crucial portion of the electorate remains surprisingly consistent. It's actually up. After the 2016 election, exit polls analyzed by the Pew Research Center showed that 28% of Latino voters supported Trump. Today, 30% support him. This percentage may not seem high, but consider what the numbers mean for the Democrats. Displeasure with the president over the past three years has not led to an increase in support for the opposing party. Democrats lost the 2016 election with about 66% of Latino votes. Today, 65% of registered Latino voters who are Democrats have a positive view of the party's presidential candidates. Based on exit polling from the past three election cycles, I estimate estimate that the Democrats need about 70% of this vote to take back the White House. They're not going to get it. Having worked at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus during the Obama administration, I am firmly aware of the power of the Latino vote. And so I have been watching these numbers with alarm. When Democrats reach out to Latino voters, they are too focused on immigration and say too little about other issues these voters prioritize. If they want to win over enough Latino votes to retake the White House, Democrats must continue to fight for the immigrant community, but they must also offer a positive aspirational narrative that embraces Latinos as a vibrant part of America. Not nah, they're buzz voters. Like they, they say immigration, right? That's what you want. That's what you get. What you, you realize Latino voters are like humans who are concerned about the economy and healthcare too. It's really funny that they, 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 they bring up immigration to Latino voters as if that's the only thing they care about or their principal cares. A lot of these people are born in America and lived in America for a hundred plus years and don't, don't have big concerns about immigration or actually might agree with Trump on immigration. But here's something interesting. This story from Politico. Could higher turnout actually help Trump? A new study challenges the idea that suppressing the vote hurts Democrats. Moody's Analytics said if Democrats want to win, they need maximum voter turnout. But here's what they find in this new study. As it turns out, the larger portion of non-voters who would vote for, uh, so so non-voters across the board are typically more likely to vote for Democrats, except where it matters, swing states. Check check out this chart. How would non-voters vote in 2020? The Knight Foundation asked non-voters if they would be more likely to vote to re-elect President Donald Trump, vote for the Democratic Party's nominee for president, or vote for someone else. Nationally, more said they'd vote for the Democrat. But in more battleground states, more non-voters preferred Donald Trump. What's interesting here is that this actually lends some pros and cons 
to the abolishment of the, the, the argument to get rid of the electoral, the electoral college. Because nationally, the Democrats stand to gain the most by activating non-voters. I don't think you would, though. I think that if you got rid of the electoral college, you would activate non-voters in swing states, not your generalist who might just generally support the Democrats. Check this out. Right now, voter turnout with the electoral system is really, really good news for the Republicans. We can see that in Arizona, non-voters by nine percentage points would support Trump. In Florida, by five. In Georgia, they don't. It's pretty even in uh, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, or I'm sorry, Mississippi. Pennsylvania by eight points. Virginia by four. So if you actually get non-voters to come out, it just helps Trump win these states. So if all the Democrats are trying to activate non-voters and they succeed, it may actually backfire in their faces. The reason why I find this interesting alongside the Latino support for Trump is that with Trump making gains among minority voters, traditional voters, people who are likely voters, the Democrats would need to counter this by getting new voters. I don't know, Latinos or otherwise, or you know, African-Americans or otherwise. But the point I'm saying is, if these people are already swinging for Trump and they're going up, seems like Democrats are losing that argument. The next bet they've made is that we need to get new voters to come onto the Democratic Party. So Trump is making these gains in minority communities. Democrats are losing them, their hope, find someone who knows very little, tell them what's going on, get them to vote and vote for us. Nationally, it makes sense, but not where it will matter. I think Donald Trump is already poised to be the the victor in November. That could be, um, I don't know, I could be wrong. I gotta gotta admit, I'm fairly ambivalent. We'll see who the Democratic nominee is, but the part of me, I've been having this this internal uh, conundrum, I suppose, where it's like, you know, I don't like that Donald Trump. I, I don't like Donald Trump, you know, for the most part. But I'm, I'm not, I always say this, I'm not crazy. I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. I think he's funny. I think he's really funny. I think he's an excellent entertainer. I think I, he, he, he tells really great jokes. But I feel like the president should be something else. They should be this sign of, you know, um, the best America can be. And that's why I really do think, you know, for me, one of the biggest factors is whether or not they served in the armed forces. I really, really mean this. They're the commander in chief. It's very important. Now, I respect Donald Trump's business acumen, and that's where the conundrum comes in. While I wouldn't have wanted to choose someone like Trump, not my first choice, not at all. Who is going to get the nomination on the Democrat side? Literally none of them have started a business except for that crony Bloomberg guy. But that guy should not be even in the race or considered for the Democratic nomination. So you got, I think right now, the best candidate I see is Pete Buttigieg. And boy, do I disagree with him on a lot of stuff, especially his interventional and interventionism stance, kind of. I'm not going to, I don't want to drag him too much, but the best they can do is a Buttigieg. Eh, He's kind of generic. He's got something going for him though. He's a small town guy. He speaks to rural America and he's a counter to Trump and he's a good speaker. He absolutely is. And while, while conservatives try to, you know, talk down and say, you know, some of the things he said are bad or whatever, it's like, listen, man, He's a middle of the road dude and he stands firm. He's got something going for him, but on a scale of one to a hundred, right? Everyone else on the debate stage is at like a 50, you know, in terms of like the 100 being the best and one being nothing. They're like, okay, they're politicians. They're okay. A lot of them are, some of them are negative where I'm like, I just generally don't like them. Buttigieg is up there. Nowhere near as high as he would need to be to be the president as far as I'm concerned. You know, his score, I give him a bad grade. Here's the conundrum. 
If you get a booted judge, never started a business, doesn't know he doesn't know how to how to how to you know facilitate trade. You get Bernie Sanders, that guy doesn't even know how economics works. What happens when they win? And there's and there's the conundrum. It's like, man, I don't like Trump, but if Trump loses, is that going to risk the economy and the good things that are happening to so many Americans that are being lifted out of poverty right now? And the answer is probably yes. If Bernie Sanders gets elected, you better be ready for that hard recession. Look, under Obama, the economy was improving. Bush tanked it, you know, maybe not. Just, maybe, I don't think it was entirely Bush's fault, but, you know, we had a lot of factors that played into the Bush administration. Look, he was in office when it happened, so he takes credit for it, right? It was bad. Obama takes over and things generally approve, improve. And now you got a lot of people trying to give Obama credit for Trump's economy. That's not fair. So if Trump leaves and you get a Sanders and Sanders has his whole campaign is about wealth. There's nothing about wealth generation. Bernie doesn't talk about his plan for prosperity. He talks about how to punish the billionaires. That's it. He's literally telling you that if he gets elected, you will see an economic net negative. That's bad news for everybody. And that's the big challenge. Should Trump win with all his faults simply because the economy would be good? Now, I'll tell you my hard stop. Sending troops to Saudi Arabia, sending weapons to Saudi Arabia, engaging in airstrikes in Yemen, a country we are not at war with. Recent, recent airstrike in Afghanistan. Trust me, man, I follow this stuff. I don't just arbitrarily say I'm concerned about President Trump. I think Obama was horrifying. I think Trump has a long way to go. Trump might withdraw from Afghanistan. Man, that would be huge. So I've had a conversation with my friends and I said, I don't know. There's a couple of factors where I, people have asked me, would you ever vote for Trump? The answer is absolutely. I don't like the guy. He's not my first choice, but he's not that bad. I really don't like the guy. And I'll tell you what, if Mike Bloomberg is the nominee for the Democratic Party. That's pure evil. That is the Democrats selling their souls to the devil, a man who is so much worse than Trump in terms of his attitude, the things he says about women, the NDAs he has with them. Come on, man. You want to argue bad character for the White House? Trump's a saint compared to Bloomberg, and I mean it. He really is. Bloomberg is awful. The jokes, the quotes that are coming out, man, Warren tore him to shreds. Good for her. Bloomberg's awful. Bloomberg gets that nomination, and Trump withdraws from Afghanistan. I got to say, man, I think if he did that and then appointed Tulsi Gabbard as a national security advisor and Yang as economic, that'd be a hard, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be a begrudging yes. I'm like, oh man, it's the best we can get. It's not bad. It's pretty good. Obama promised me that he was going to take our troops out of the Middle East. And I believed him and he didn't do it. He actually put more troops in. That was, that was why I didn't vote for him a second time. I do not like this man, Donald Trump. Uh, I think as an entertainer, I really do like him actually. But as a president, his character is, is not what I expect from the office of the White House. And I understand that's actually not a very strong argument, not at all. It's a really good point to be made when I bring this up, when they say character isn't as important as getting the job done. Absolutely. So Trump has gotten that economy done, and I respect that. But I think if there's a service member running, which Buttigieg is, I would prefer to see that. I won't make a choice between the two. I think the Democrats are corrupt. I'm over it. I don't want to make this video super long, but you get the point. Those are the things I think Trump would do that would have me be like, wow. But here's the bigger concern. Even if he did pull out of Afghanistan, even if Bloomberg wasn't, I mean, I got to be honest, Bloomberg being the Democratic nominee is like, that freaks me out. Everything they say about Trump and their fears about Trump, it's Bloomberg. So I'm like, you're not about Trump. I don't see it, dude. The guy's kind of funny. I get it. I don't think it should be in the White House, but Bloomberg, 
But then Trump's got the Saudi Arabia thing going on. So even if he does withdraw from Afghanistan, it's like, dude, I do not want to vote for someone who's going to send our troops to Saudi Arabia, supply them with weapons. That is a hard ethical stop for me, man. It is tough. Maybe you get it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Podcast every day at 630. Thanks for hanging out. I will see you all next time.